Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast, Four Men and a Mic Edition. Good evening to you all. I hope you are all very well. I hope you're all having a fantastic week, even though it's only Tuesday. I don't even know what day. Oh, that goes, you know, look, that just goes to show I don't even know what bloody day of the week it is. Um, Thank God football is back on Thursday. Arsenal are back in action um, against Wolves and not Watford, um, as I've just been corrected before we come on air. I cannot wait for this game. I cannot wait to watch an Arsenal game. It has been far, far too long um, before we have watched Arsenal. Joining me this evening, as usual, Mr. Danny. How are you, sir? I've shaved my head for the first time since about a week before Christmas. So I no longer look homeless and I no longer get people throwing 50p at me telling me to get myself a cup of tea. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well indeed. Mr. Chris, how are you, sir? All present and corrected for Captain. Good. I like it. I like it. And James, we've been we've every I don't know if you've been watching us, but you've you have had a mention at the start of every other podcast uh, that we've done without you. Um because you wasn't here the first time for, because you booked a nice dinner somewhere. <laughs> and you weren't here the second time because you you were working late. But you're here this week. Everyone, um, James, how are you, sir? Oh, mate, I feel I feel so guilty looking back. <laughs> um, I know, I know, I know. I'm dreadful. Um, no, honestly, thank you for having me on as always, Craig. Really looking forward to it tonight. Nah, mate, it's absolutely my pleasure. It's great to be talking with you on the podcast again. It really is. We go back a little way, don't we, James? We go back a little bit. Yeah, it's been. Um, it must be about what, five, maybe even six be. years. Got I remember when it, it was right at the start, and I think we did a couple of bits together. Um, yeah. That was back when you know Tom was on the show. So it's yeah. been yeah, it's been been hell of a long time. Hell of a long time. I want to start off the show this week by talking about a man who I think has come in for a lot of unjust criticism, 
um, around the club, and, and he's been talked about widely on social media this week, and that will be Edu. Um, a lot of people giving him a lot of grief, um, saying that they want him sacked and telling people that they want it, you know, that they want him out. He's not good enough. This, that, and the other. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This man has brought in Martinelli, White, Ramsdale, Tommy Yasu. Um, that's not too bad. I, I thought that I think those players that he's brought in are, are quite good, and we also forget that. For the last two years, we've all been sitting here and asking for the squad to be trimmed and to get rid of the dead wood and this, that and the other. That has now been done, Dan. Um, it's what, look, we, we're a little bit short. I'm disappointed we didn't sign anyone in the transfer window, of course, but it is what it is. Um, we move. Two points off of fourth with 17 games to go. Dan, is the is the criticism for Edu a little bit too much or do, do you think it's justified? It's ridiculous. We live in an instant gratification society, and that works with um, buying stuff and getting and getting rid of stuff. He's bought uh, the summer transfer window last summer was probably our best summer transfer, our best transfer window for maybe a decade, maybe even longer. And he has had a, a, a plan when he comes in to get rid of players. I mean, this season alone, we've loaned out twenty nine players. Twenty players have left the club permanently, and we've bought in six and four under twenty three players. It's a whole rebuilding stuff. He is clearing up the mess that was left after Wenger decimated the club with stupid signings, with players that he didn't need on massive wages mm. and players that were never going to um, do the job. And then Emery coming in and then him having a few players that he wanted that were struggling to get rid of. And then you had the whole Bundesliga bastard uh, collection of players where they obviously couldn't be bored and their little ringleader left and they all got the hump. Edu did a magnificent job. People were so short-termism. Just remember back more than the last five minutes and go, well, actually, yeah, last summer he did do... Uh, as the youths would say, he did bits. And it's, it's, it's working out and he is going to do really good. And how long did we say it as Arsenal fans? I didn't say it, but that we want Arsenal representation to run the club. People who've played for the club. Well, we've got that now. We've got a manager. We've got uh, the de technical director that he's he got the job in July 2019. He's doing a good job. You can't, with, with limited funds, you can't clear everybody out and bring the whole lot in all in one transfer window. That never happens anywhere. Even Newcastle aren't doing that, and they've got more money than Tom Canton at the moment. <laughs> um, Chris, would you agree with Dan's sentiments? Or... If I may offer a riposte, is that the uh, right terminology? Um, I, I think that you have to take what edu the positives that edu does with the negatives there is a yin to the yang there needs to be balance in the force and if you are going to um promote his positive signings you can't do that without the equal element of the poor dealings across the club you know we've had the mustafis the sogradis we've had the kolasinic the obamiang all going for nothing we've had Mavropanos going on the cheap. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've heard some rumours that Dortmund are sniffing around Mavropanos now. And uh, whoever he's with, is it Stuttgart that he's with at the moment, um, are basically looking at saying, well, yeah, we'll buy him for a few million off Arsenal uh, in the summer and then sell him immediately to Dortmund for 20, 25 million. If that happens, if that chain of events unfolds, you can't look at this as anything other than a bit of a shoddy bit of planning. 
from that perspective. So from my perspective, I look at that balance. And also I find it difficult to calibrate where Edu finished and Sanyehi began because they were both kind of working together for a period of time. So I don't really know whether or not some of the deals which we all associate with the dodgy Sanye era um, that we're all looking at and thinking, oh, that doesn't leave a good taste in the mouth. How much of that was Edu? And then you look at the Williams situation and think, wow, that looked a lot like Edu. But how much of it was Edu? How much of it was the wheels were already in motion when Sanye was in yeah. charge? So I find it difficult to calibrate that element of it between Sanyehi and Edu, but then also as much as we've seen good stuff with the buying, we've seen bad stuff with the selling. And then there's a lot of question marks from people saying, well, is it Arteta that's driving the likes of the Ramsdale signings or the um, Ben White signings? Are they him putting his fist down saying, this is the guy I want and I don't want anyone else? Thoughts on a postcard? Absolutely. James, your thoughts on Edu? Um, like I said, mate, yeah, look, we all wanted some new signings in the transfer window. Of course we did. Um, you know, I think we all expected we all expected to see some signings when we saw who, so many going out the door. You know, we're all in WhatsApp's group saying, you know, oh, surely there's someone coming in. Surely there's someone coming in. All these outs. And then, of course, in typical Arsenal fashion, we don't get anyone. <laughs> I think just just in general, I'm not just related to Edu, but I think it's interest, interesting how um, fandoms now look at technical directors and you know the inner workings of a football club rather than you know 10, 15 years ago. You don't even have to look back that far. It was purely just about kind of what happened on the pitch. Mm. We'd be talking about what what lineups are going to come out. We wouldn't be talking about what the te- technical directors doing. And I know the models changed, but this fascination with you know what is going on at every level of the club I find it you know it's just it's interesting how uh not just fans of Arsenal but of Man United Chelsea Spurs are just so invested in that now and I think it just makes someone like Edu's job a whole lot more difficult because he's got that added pressure of not just at one point what would have been the people within the club he's now got tens thousands millions of people um, that are on his case almost all the time. And he's coming under scrutiny for all the uh, decisions that he makes, whether they turn out well or not, because of all the you know bad stuff he's done, like you highlighted earlier in the summer, where we brought in these players, the likes of Ben White, Aaron Ramsdale, that I'm sure there's been a whole scouting process behind and Arteta's had a huge amount to do with them. He's ultimately got those deals over the line and we're now reaping the rewards of them. So, And you've got to remember, he's still a fairly young guy for the role he's in. So he's, mm. I think he's doing a, a good job. And I like that, you know, in the January transfer window, um, we managed to get rid of a lot of the Deadwood players. OK, it's left our squad a bit threadbare, but this needed to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, look at the players we did let go. They're not players that are going to be getting into the first team anytime soon. The only ones I think you can make cases for are Chambers and Maitland-Niles, who would have just been good utility players to have around. They're not going to be, you know, knocking on the door of the first team anytime soon. So I was pleased in that sense. I can understand why people are frustrated that we didn't get someone in. But, you know, I genuinely do believe that we were in for Vlahovic, but I don't think he was in for us. You know, yeah. we, we we can't change his his trajectory. If he wants to go to Juventus, you know, that that's on him. And he's evidently good enough to be there. He scored on his debut. We can't, that's out of our hands, you know, however much money we've got. If his heart's set on Juventus, we can't do anything about that. Yeah. So I don't put the blame there. I, I'm i completely with him on not putting in like a £90 million bid for um, Isaac. I don't think he's at that level. And uh, I'm glad that we didn't, you know, waste money on 
potentially waste money on someone like a Morata or a Jovic, someone that's you know could potentially in a couple of months' time very quickly turn out to be Deadwood. So I think he he has made the right calls, and it's you know like we all speak about, it is tiresome to say, but it is a process. And uh, I think you know for now he's he's doing an okay job. Dan uh, James brings up a brilliant point there about wasting money. Um, two or three years ago, we would have wasted. 75 million, 80 million on, on mm. this Isaac fella, just to, you know, just to appease the fans. I mean, that's a big change as well, isn't it? That we're not just going out and, and, and going for, so, oh yeah, go on, we'll take him. How much is it? Oh, 75 million. There, there you go. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. that, that Isaac that transfer to me has got shades of Thomas Lamar written all over it. Um, you know, it could have been a signing just to appease the fans, but they didn't do it because they don't believe that, he's the kind of player that they want or he's the kind of player that fits, you know, fits what they're looking for in the future. So, I mean, although it's a bad thing, it's also a good thing. Um, if that makes sense. Well, I hope that, I know Chris is about to explode because he's got something interesting to say, but um, I just hope we're saving up for a big one this summer and he's going to match what he did last summer and bring in some brilliant players. And there's that, that stat that, um, that I, uh, that I said on the show um, last time, that out of our 18 top Premier League minutes played this season, we've still got 17 of them. Well, I mean, that, we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, so that is a lovely stat. Yeah, I, that is a lovely stat. Um, Chris, what your your Sorry. all the pages yeah. are going. Here we go. Here we go. The pages. Well, are written me down. notes. Here we go. Yeah. You know what? I was just going to ask this. Can I get your opinion? Everyone's opinion on this one because I thought what Cookie was saying was really interesting. The conversation about Edu and the role of how nobody knew what a technical director did like five six years ago. And I don't know the answer to this, but that's why I wanted to ask the question to you guys. Do you think it's because the game has changed so much? So, for example. We don't have managers that uh, the, the old um, the chap who used to run Peterborough, Barry Fry, who used to do the contracts and stand on the sideline and mm. shout at people and stuff like that. That doesn't exist anymore. We now have almost specialists in roles, even to the point where a coach, a manager, someone like Arteta, is a specialist in his role. In other words, tactically set up the team, develop the team, just focus in on that area. Because if you're spending half your time focusing on contracts or the other half of your time focusing on who am I going to buy or the other half of your time focusing on this, you've got less time doing the thinking as to how should we set up. So that was what I just wrote down. So is it because the game has changed and the requirements are more tactical um, from a coaching perspective? And so therefore, that's why the role of the technical director is so important. You've got sports scientists, you've got, you know, we've got people, lawyers dealing with contracts and stuff like that. I don't know. Open question. It's a it's a it's a great point. Um, I mean, the, the game of football has changed so much in the in the last twenty years, and when you go on about it being tactical and you know having all these sports scientists and nutritionists, I mean, the players are now athletes, aren't they? Um, you go back, you know, twenty twenty five years, they probably weren't so much athletes, um, as as in to say, you know, that they probably still went down the pub after the game. Um, and had a few beers. I mean, I don't think you catch many players doing that. I mean, they they keep themselves very well. I mean, Ronaldo is a prime example of of, a, of an athlete, isn't he? I mean, how old is he now? Thirty seven, thirty eight. He... That's worked out well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's, he's kept himself good though, hasn't he? He's kept himself well. Let's um, let's say that. Uh, so yeah, that would be my um, that would be my ten pence worth into that. I mean, it has got football has gone more. You know, it's, it's definitely gone more tactical, hasn't it? Um, you can you can see that every week in in, in every game you play. 
Um, James, what would you say about the point that um, Chris brings up? I think, um, I don't know, maybe I'm looking a bit too deeply into it, but I think it's kind of a generational thing as well. Um, like, you know, we're all active on social media, we're all active on Twitter, so we're probably a lot more uh, au fait maybe with these sort of things. But there'll be a whole generation of fans as well. Like, I know my dad, for a fact, probably won't even have a clue that Edu is the type technical director, but he <laughs> yeah. still is gets engrossed in every single Arsenal game. And I'm sure there are a lot of fans like that that just purely care about what happens in that 90 minutes and you know everything that's football related but don't care so much about you know what goes on behind the scenes I think from our point of view it's just generally quite fascinating isn't it to see how football's changed to, to especially for a club like Arsenal where we've gone through the Sanieli era we've just seen you know a, a rebuild emerge and then kind of fail under Emery and now we're going through that phase again so I think ourselves and I think Man United fans are also probably quite aware of that because they're constantly going through some sort of rebuilding phase so I think um, I mean as more and more clubs are doing it clubs those those top clubs apart from maybe City and Liverpool always seem to be going through some kind of rebuilding process us United Spurs even I'd say Leicester at the moment Um, so I think we're becoming a lot more aware of it and I think you know fans just ultimately want what is best for their club and that's why we kind of go to these extremes of looking into uh, who the individuals are. Absolutely. Here's a question for you then. Um, Dan, what, what uh, Chris says and what James say, say about what's going on behind the scenes, a lot of the fans are more, you know, they want to know what's happening behind the scenes more and this, that and the other. I'm the kind of football fan that is not really bothered about what's going on behind the scenes. All I'm worried about is Saturday afternoon, three o'clock, 90 minutes, what the result is at the end of it. What, whatever happens in the week until the next game, I, I'm not too fussed. Are you going to watch the Amazon documentary? Oh, dear, oh dear. Uh, it'd be like when watching a horror. I don't watch horrors, but when people hide behind the sofa with their hands covering their eyes up and holding onto a, push, a cushion, oh, I'll be looking at thinking, well, I remember that bit. I remember that. Oh, that's hopefully we'll get some. Oh, that's why that happened. But I don't think we will. I don't think the club are going to be silly enough to let them into every little nook and cranny of what's going on. And I, d- I did like Chris's analogy with Barry Fry. I met him at the 2000... You know, he met him at Peterborough and I'm 10 minutes away. I met him in the lift at the 2001 FA Cup final and I went, oh, if I know you were coming, I've got a lift. He just looked at me <laughs> as if he had no idea what I was talking about. But it's... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're only interested in it because you see Edu being all flamboyant and having his barbecue and his cigars. And if you don't want us to stick our noses in, then, then don't give us a, a, a little glimpse of, of the, the star life that you're leading. Mm. If you want to keep it quiet, keep it quiet. But I think a huge part of being an Arsenal fan for so many years was knowing nothing because Wenger did it. I don't know if it is a fable or not, but Wenger picking the cutlery for the Emirates. We had a, someone who was so massively involved with every single aspect. He even made the packed lunches for the training grounds uh, and stuff like that. So um, um, compartmentalising. God, I didn't think I'd get that word out. Um, all the individual <laughs> jobs separately, I think it's a good thing because then individual people are to blame for individual um, things that go on. You can track things down. You, you look at Man United. That we were doing the same kind of thing, the Louise, the Czech, the William, getting that they said that that was our plan, get experienced players. We've realized that hasn't worked while well, Man United have doubled down on it. They've got a manager who's only there part time, he's going to be gone soon. You've got all these really expensive players, Varan and Ronaldo, and all these other ones, and Matter. You've still got, although they renewed Matter's contract or the extension, 
And then that is not the way for a modern football teams to go. You are not going to do what you did before where you're going to get in experienced pros to do the club. The future is youth. And like Cookie was saying, that um, with the with the younger players, I think that we are now setting a foundation for a decade's worth of talent already at the club now. And it's just managing them correctly and making them want to stay. And if they all believe in the project, they could all be here in 10 years' time. And then we won't have to, like you were saying, Craig, we won't have to go out and spend £90 million. We won't have to do a Pepe with anyone. Mm, absolutely. Chris, um Dan has, Dan has uh, set, set off a light bulb there in my head um, when he's talking about the youth um, that we've got at the club at the moment. And obviously, the youth seems to be the way forward and you know it seems to be the path that we're going down. But are you, like me, quite worried that, in the back of my mind, that Saka and Smith-Rowe and Martinelli are, are sitting back going, why didn't he sign anyone? You know, why, why is he not? You know, why didn't we sign anyone? Why are we not? Why are we not um, bringing in players, you know, to, to improve us? Or, or do you think they're so, you know, they're happy with what they see, they're happy with what they hear. They, they, obviously, they're happy with the plan going forward. Does losing, yeah. Does, does does losing any of them ever cross your mind? Because I know it does me. So, Saka is the big one for me, and the re- and I've been feeling like this. This sounds really sad, but basically since he signed his contract, because yeah. when he signed his contract, and it was a four-year deal. I looked at that and thought, four years, that's a bit weird. Because in two years' time, assuming that he kicks on, we're all going to be sort of shitting ourselves again and thinking, what happens with his contract? And here we are, everyone's getting a little bit worried. I yeah. think it was, was it last, it might have been last week's pod or the pod before, which I said, I think, uh, are you worried about that? And I don't, one of you guys said, no, 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 he's an Arsenal boy. I agree, he's a nice, he's an Arsenal boy. He's a nice lad. You know, he looks like, and Arsenal looks like the right place for him to be. But I'm definitely worried about it from a contractual point of view. In terms of the players looking at it, I think, well, my hope is that Arteta would have looked at this. He would have sat down his players and said, look, you're my guys. The reason I'm keeping this squad as a tight-knit squad is because I want all of you to get game time. I want all of you to sh- to step up and show what you've got. And I tell you what, I'm even putting faith in you because I could have gone out and bought other players, but I believe in you guys. You need to be the bedrock of this team for the next few years. So sign up, sign on, do the business the rest of this season, get us into the Champions League. We'll invest. You'll be wor- you'll be working with better players. We'll have a bigger squad. And we've got a real chance of something building. That's what I guess that's if I was in Arteta's shoes, that would be my message to them. It's sign up. This, this is the journey. In, like, we've talked about, oh, Arteta's been in the job like two and a bit years. You know, How long is this process going to last? But as we talked about in last week's show, he's got rid of a load of players now. And he's almost got a new narrative, which is, that's it now. I'm done with binning off all of the old Deadwood. You are my guys. And now we're just going to build on this collective of great players that you've got. Oh, Cedric, I'll talk to you at the end of the season. <laughs> Poor old Cedric James. What about you, mate? Any any doubts over any of them, or is there? You know, have you, do you like me? Kind of overthink it and think, oh Christ, you know, what kind of a message is this being sent out um, to the youngsters? But then, of course, the flip side of that is that the youngsters know about it and the youngsters are happy about it, and you know, they're, they're going to pledge their futures to Arsenal, which hopefully is what happens with Saka in the next uh, in the next few weeks. Because I, I understand they're drawing up a contract for him at the end of the season. So, I mean, it'll be. You know, it, it would be a massive miss to lose Saka now. And Chris makes a great point um, about, you know, about how we, we 
put him on a, a four-year deal when he was coming through. And now, of course, he's, that deal is coming to the end and, and you know, he's firing on all cylinders. Um, so, of course, he's going to attract he's going to attract a lot of interest. Do you think he'll stay here? And do, do you think, he, you know, and, and the Smith-Rose and, and the Martinez, do you think they'll stay here? Do you think they're, you know, do you, do you think they're in for the long ride? Um, I think from a bringing in players' point of view, I'm not too worried about what they, they think of that um, because, I mean, last summer we made a huge investment in players that, you know, were 23 and under. So they'll probably look at that and think this is the direction the club's going in. And notoriously, January is a really tough window to bring things in. So, you know, I'd probably think about that a bit more if the summer came around and we didn't uh, invest. But I'm, I'm fairly confident we might not see a spree to the same extent that we saw last year, but I still think we'll invest in, you know, three or four good young players to really propel this team onwards. And for the time being, for this massive part of the season, it's an enormous show of faith because we could have gone, I think we could have quite easily gone out there and bought in a Jovic, a Morata, you know, some utility players that aren't working out at other clubs. Um, But as we've spoken about that, that doesn't work. And I think that would have been maybe an even worse message to these players because it kind of says, you know, we don't fully trust you, so we're going to get someone that's played at Real Madrid or we're going to get someone that's played at Juventus, Atletico, to come in. And, yeah. you know, um, whereas I think with these these players, it's now all on them. Like Chris says, they've got a massive opportunity now to kick on this season. And then the foundations are there because we'll have got rid of all of those players that we know aren't part of the club. We've got someone like uh, William Saliba coming back in another part of the project who's effectively you know sounds cliche but he's going to be like a new signing if we can just add a good midfielder under the age of 25 and we can add a good striker in as well then our first 11 is effectively sorted so there's not a great deal of work to do with this club the thought of Saka leaving I, I don't even want that to cross my mind it would honestly break me you know I've seen uh Nasri leave Fabregas leave yeah Van Persie leave Alexis leave um but they they none of them were homegrown uh seeing Saka leave you know a guy that's come through the ranks such a lovable guy as well I'm sure we could all agree for England for Arsenal you know that I think the nation loves him not just Arsenal fans I think this whole nation when he puts an England show and absolutely loves him but to see him leave Arsenal would um would be devastating it'd be the exact same for someone like Smith Rowe I'm not worried about him leaving he seems like he genuinely same for Saka as well like they, they all seem like they genuinely love the club so yeah I don't think it should be a cause for concern the only thing I would say is if you know if they reach the age of 23 24 and we're not in the champions league if we're not you know getting closer to the premier league title if a liverpool or a city came in and they're still at the level they are now with you know a hundred million pound bid for saka um it might turn their head a little bit because it'd be instant success almost um so that would be my only slight worry so i think this project uh as, as good as it is for them we also need to start seeing the results in the next two years yeah dan this trip to dubai um, hoping to see some, obviously, hoping hoping to see the players much refreshed against Wolves. Um, do you think it was? I mean, do you think it was a good thing that they went to Dubai? Because I do. I I think it was a good thing. There's a lot of people giving it all. They're oh, they're going on a holiday after they do that. And you have, you know, the, the normal, um, what's the words? Uh, nonsense monsters, um, as I like to call them. You know, oh, they shouldn't go out there. They haven't done anything. They got beat out there. They like, you know, this kind of thing. Um. I think it was a great idea to go out there. Um, and, and from the reports that I've been reading and from the videos I've been watching, the Mikhail Arteta out there, it looks like, um, you know, it looks like they've all enjoyed themselves. Um, they've trained and they've trained hard and, you know, there's, there's no getting away there. And of course, they've had some, they've, they've had some downtime. 
Um, so, I mean, a good thing, Dan, surely. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, before I answer that, Sam, you've got Mandy in the chat who's made a point. Can mm-hmm. I answer it? Of course you can. Where is it? Um, said about um, uh, Edu's not done his job. He's not sold any players. Yeah, um, good one. Um, now, he took over the job in the summer of 2019. From the summer of 2019 onwards, there was some debate like, like um, Chris was saying about who has done what job. He has made £103 million in player sales in the last three seasons. Iwobi, 28. That was the summer of 2019. Willock, 22. Martinez, 20. Bielik, 9. Um, Koscielny, 4.6. Ospina, 3 and a bit. Amici, 2. Jen- Jenkinson, 2. Greenwood, 1.5. Asano, 1. Um, Thompson, 1. And then he's had sell-on clauses. Benica, 4. Mavidi, 2. Um, the Jeff was 2. Apcom was another one. It's 103 million pounds that has come in. So it's, it's not like he's doing that. Whoever is in charge of that, it's not like they've set back and sit and gone, everyone abandon ship. They have got some, I mean, that Wobi deal, that will go down. I mean, he'll have that written well, on, the, on his yeah. gravestone, whoever did that. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was Paul Daniels esque kind of magic. <laughs> but at but the same kind of, time, at the same time with that, Dan, as well, we, you know, we've signed, we have signed some drafts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was about to moonwalk out of here. With, with <laughs> sorry, I'm done. Yeah, yeah sorry, anybody, sorry, sorry about that. Anybody uh, who lives in the UK, we're all a bit down and gloomy and fed up at the moment because I haven't seen daylight since about July and it's cold and it's wet and it's horrible. You want to cheer me up? You take me to Dubai for two weeks, I'll come back and I'll be as happy as Larry. So <laughs> it's a good idea to go. Uh, and I'm quite jealous that they're gone there because it's a wonderful place to be. It's nice and warm. And uh, Ben White's getting chatted up by lovely ladies. Oh, he's, he's, he's definitely the Don one of the group, isn't he? Definitely the Don one. Um, Chris, the Dubai tip. Uh, tip? Trip? Um, a good thing in my eyes. What about you? 100%. I mean, again, we've all sort of pulled our hair out. Um, sorry, Dan. Sometimes beard hair. Um, we've all pulled out. We've, we've, pulled our, we've pulled our hair out when we are worried about the size of the squad at times, and particularly at the end of that transfer window. But if you're going to flip that, it's a more, as I said earlier, it's a compact squad that you can get together in Dubai and, and get them all close together, get a bit of camaraderie going. You know, I know that Arsenal fan, not Arsenal fan team, Arsenal TV um, has shown, or Arsenal media has shown that um, the, the, the positive side of it, and maybe there's a little bit of PR spin onto that. Yeah. But there's a lot of positive, I think, that well, they will have all come out of that. So what I want to see, though, against Wolves on Thursday is a team that is intensity pressing. There's no excuses now for looking lethargic. We have to, we simply have to just go at Wolves on Thursday. And, the, and it's only then that we'll truly see the benefit of that Dubai trip, I think. Absolutely. What are you, James? What are you expecting against Wolves? Let's let's talk about the Wolves game. Um, like Chris, like Chris says, you know, we want to see intensity. We want to see it straight from the off. You know, the old cliche when we were all kids: "When come on, then straight in, straight in." You know, um, and then we are going to see. Uh, you know, have they bonded a bit more? You know, they're going to come back fit, stronger than you know than than ever before. Um, what are you expecting at Wolves? What first of all, what what kind of team do you think? Arteta will go for? So in terms of the team, I think we can pretty much choose our strongest 11, can't we? Mm. So um, White, Gabriel, Ramsdale, uh, Tierney, the only question mark I think is going to be over Tommy Asu. And, you know, Cedric, 
he is prone to the odd howler. Um, but you'd hope with the rest of the team being pretty solid, hopefully he won't stick out like a sore thumb. Um, then you've got Jacker, Partey, and I think the rest pretty much picks itself. Yeah. Uh, Saka, Erdegaard, Martinelli, Lacazette. And then you've got like the, the added bonus of Smith-Rowe, who's kind of... And Pepe as well, you know, so we've got a few options off the bench now. Um, you know, whether it's Smith-Rowe that starts in place of Martinelli, perhaps, or vice versa. I mean, there's a lot of options... Well, not a lot, but there's a few options there that can actually have a genuine impact on the game, which we haven't had in recent weeks. Um, this fixture has kind of uh, played on my mind a little bit after last year. Um, I'm sure we all remember that game should have been about five, six to up by half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No exaggeration. Like we genuinely, I think that was probably the best half of football we played last season. Uh, then we had that shocker with the red card, ended up losing the game. Joe Moutinho, unbelievable goal. So I really, really want to see us win this game. But realistically, it's a very good Wolves team as well. Very tough to beat. Very good defensively. Pretty decent going forward as well. I mean, it's definitely not going to be easy in the slightest. And I yeah, I would have been more than happy with a point if um, we'd have beaten Burnley. Uh, yeah. But the fact of the matter is we didn't. Um, so I think the incentive has got to be to get a win. And like I say, now we've got a proper midfield in. Jack Aparte, Erdegaard, Saka and Martinelli or Smith-Rowe on the wings. Hopefully Lacazette can pick up a bit of form because he, he wasn't so great in the games against Burnley and Liverpool. He looked like he needed a rest. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not I don't want to say I'm confident, um, but I think the rest will have done the team good. I uh, just I just really want to see a performance and uh, a win would be I, I think it would be needed to be honest, given um given that uh, draw to Burnley. We really need the three points. Absolutely. I just want to bring this one in before we move on. Thank you, Sam, indeed, for your kind donation. Great panel, great conversation, deserving of a like and a subscription, in my opinion. Well, thank you very much, sir. Welcome along. Um, to the same old Arsenal. Let's go back to these live comments. Um, I did have something written down that I was going to say, but now I have forgotten what it was. I hate. Uh, oh yes, Dan. Any chance we're going to see Martinelli through the middle on Thursday? If I can get my mouse to be on the right monitor, yes. Um, well, I'd like to. Um, Lacazette is a there's a there's a build up of hate towards Lacazette at the moment, which I'm not very happy about. He has done so much for the club. Remember when Arteta came to the club, he uh, he completely changed his game from Everton's playmaker scoring lots of goals and setting stuff up to being our defensive midfielder. Then um, and now Lacazette has changed his job. So if he's changed his job, then maybe Martinelli might have to change his job because who are you as a, as a as a goalkeeper? Um, uh, Craig, which would you be more worried about? Lacazette running it, you go, oh, 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 oh I need a fag break, uh, or Martinelli <laughs> running at you, and all you see, all you hear is, is like, where he breaks the sound barrier and sparks coming off of his feet. <laughs> which one are you going to be more worried about? And he has shown this season that um, I brought up the thing with how many goals that we, he's, if I can get it on the right, I'm still not used to swapping screens. Um, he, this season in the league, he's um, Martinelli's got four goals in 14 games. But most of those games, he's uh, a lot of those games, four of those, five of those, he's come on as a sub. And so having him, whether you want to start Lacazette and then bring Martinelli on later, but I think it's a waste to have um, Saka on the right, Smith Rowe on the left, and him and Smith Rowe and Martinelli constantly swapping around. I think, I know we've seen a lot lately where we've had continuity of all the, the players starting. Now, I'd like to see continuity of those uh, of where Smith Rowe's going to play because he is mm. too good to keep coming on after an hour for yeah. Odegaard and being a bit part player. If you want to keep the lad, that's not what you do. You need, this could be the time, this run of 
16, 17 games to go to Martinelli. Well, you're going to be playing up front. Smith Rowe, you're playing on the left. And uh, and with, with, with Martinelli being the younger of all of that lot, I mean, uh, experience-wise, so you're the one who's going to be part-time in the job with Lacazette up front because we do need something. And we know sure as hell we can't rely on Nketiah, can we? Yeah, we surely can't. I mean, in a player who doesn't want to be at Arsenal, who, you know, who's still to sign a contract, um, still getting into the team. But, you know, if I'm going to give Arteta a bit of slack, I'll give him slack there. That's his own fault. Um, you know, he, he shouldn't be there. Um, but that's down to the manager. Um, Chris, Smith Rowe or Odegaard in the middle? Oh, that is such a hard question because Odegaard's the one in form and he just looks so good. Even against, he was one of the better players against Burnley. I'm leaning towards Odegaard at the moment, but it's a rotate. I think both of them need to play in different positions. I, th- I think the Martinelli discussion is an interesting one because. You can play Smith-Rowe out wide left, depending on the the opposition, um, and then maybe look at Martinelli through the middle. The challenge that I've got with Martinelli through the middle is that, you know that goal that he scored against West Ham from out to in, so that mm. run that Lacazette put him in? Those are the types of goals. And then he also was put in centrally, to be fair, against Leeds. Those are the type of goals. That's the positions we want to get him in. And I just start to look at the positions on the pitch that he takes up and the runs that he makes. Is it more difficult to defend against if he starts outside wide left and then moves in? And with Smith Rowe, you're not going to get that type of movement because he wants the ball at his feet and driving it. So I would still go with Erdegaard. I think the team on on Thursday is going to be pretty similar to one that we'd expect, which is Ramsdale, probably Cedric, White, Gabriel, Tierney, Party Xhaka. I think he will go Saka, Erdegaard and Martinelli, have Lacazette up top and then have ESR as a as an impact sub. But I kind of agree with Dan in that we we do need to find a way to get him into the team on a like from the start because he's just such a good player and he offers something different to anyone else in that front three. Um Smith Rowe does when he gets the ball and just wants to run at people. James, talking about the young fellas, you know, the old saying goes, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, I've seen a couple of people actually think that we might be heaping on a bit too much pressure um, on these young players. But the saying is true. If you're good enough, you're old enough. I mean, they, they should be fit. They should be, you know, if, if they're off, they're playing for Arsenal. So, you know, they've got to have, have something about them. But they're going to get even more pressurised now because 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 we're so short. Um, do you think that's going to have a, a, any mental effect on their game, or or do you think they're going to you know will they grab it with both hands and, and run with it? Um, I mean, they are young guys, but a lot of them have been in and around the first team for a while, or before we bought them, they've been playing first team football for a good few years. So, I think I think they should be accustomed to it. To be honest, um, I think the, the the other the only worry I'd have is not so much about the pressure side of things. I think a lot of them will really relish that. I think it's just that there will be instances where things aren't going for us and we might not have a solution to open the door. Um, I think we've seen that many a time this season already. Burnley, a prime example of that. You know, we just didn't have enough in the tank to get through it. Maybe that's down to player shortages or maybe it's just the inexperience of this side. You know, the game away against uh, United, I thought was a prime example of that as well. And I think we will continue to... Um, Oh, Dan's really distracting me there with that. <laughs> that's come out of nowhere. Um, oh, I've got one as well. 
Oh mate, if I if I had yeah, any facial hair, that would be. Uh, you're, you're I wish to... I could just complete the set there and go. Me too. But yeah. no, I've just got a pen. You're all so. gonna have to. You're gonna have to get one. Any, anyone that's listening in audio, we're just uh, displaying our back scratchers. No, uh, it's not anything else. Before you're wondering. Well, um, I do use it to scratch my ass if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, get, getting back to the topic at hand. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think they'll be feeling the pressure. I think if we'd have bought a couple of players in, in January, it would have maybe taken the weight off them. But like I say, I really think a lot of these players will relish it. If we get a few injuries, that's when the problems will really start to come to the fore. I mean, if we lose, you know, Saka, if we lose Martinelli, uh, for example, and, you know, these are all very realistic possibilities. You've not got a lot of games, but all it takes is a, a tough game away at Wolves, for example, where it's a bit... Um, bit of argy-bargy and we could come away with an injury or two mm. and we, we just seen what it looks like as well when we lose one of Jack or a party how detrimental it is to our midfield but if we could you know wishing upon a start if we could keep everyone fit if we could keep that prime 11 fit for the remainder of the season we'll be fine but it's it's a lot easier said than done absolutely Dan Russ brings up a good point good evening Russ how are you mate um Russ's worry is that the referees will not offer any of these young players any proper protection what you got to say about that? Yeah, that is very, very worrying because when we saw the Crystal Palace attack on Saka, nearly broke his leg. We've seen the, the attack on Tommy Asu, nothing done for either of those things. And it is going on all the way through the season. Even the Arsenal ladies, the ball hit the referee and then completely changed direction, went to a Man City player. They ran down and scored. So it's just horrendous refereeing everywhere. And they're answerable to no one. And this is going to continue going on. So normally you'd say, Kalasnit, Xhaka, you go out there and you rough people up if they give us any grief. Well, Xhaka can't do that anymore because he's been on a promise from, from Arteta. You behave yourself, you're off to Roma in the summer, you get sent off one more time, you're going to Burnley in the summer. So hopefully that's going to try and convince him to stay. But the referee, and it's we, we, even the, the, the Crystal Palace v Liverpool, where um, Jota realised, oh, the ball's going out. Oh, and a fall on the keeper. Got a penalty. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Even we go back to last season, the David Luiz against Wolves, where where the, a neutron from his boot touched a, a neutron from the, the Wolves player's foot, heel or whatever, knee or whatever it was, or the other way around. And you think, how can these things, there's so much um, dodgy refereeing where it's just constantly going against us. And I don't know why somebody hasn't made it, probably because you're not allowed to put it on YouTube, but someone's made a compilation of all the bad things that have happened against mm-hmm. Arsenal. And I reckon there'd be more than anyone else. I mean, sometimes we do get things, we've had the odd penalty going in our favour. But as long as, like you were saying, as long as the uh, we everybody stays fit. And as a player, you, you're going to want to show what you're going to do. Because Arsenal will definitely go in places. We're not, we're not falling apart like Spurs and Man United are, where things are going wrong. Or you're looking at the Liverpool squad where it's full of older players and you're thinking, how much longer this got together? You look at the Arsenal squad and you're thinking, this is going to be a team for the next decade if we can keep everybody together. Absolutely. Just hope Absolutely. no injuries. Tommy does being Tommy um, being injured does worry me a little bit. Um, is it like with Party where he brought Party on too soon and then Party was out for ages injured? Is that the same thing with Tommy? Yeah, could be. But look, we can. Look, I mean, I know there's a mis- I know there's a mistake in Cedric, but there's a mistake in all of them. Um, and you know, I, I I'd be quite you know, I'm quite confident in Cedric um, tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, he goes and proves us all wrong. You know, and he has a, he, he has a fantastic game. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he will. I'm pretty sure he will. Chris, what what do you say to the fans? Dan Dan made the point there about um, um, 
I've forgotten. I'm going to have to edit, edit this bit out. I've forgotten what you said now because I'm distracting myself talking. If I just shut up. Um, Is it Tommy being injured or shitty I refs? I can feel for you. And it's on the foul. Refs, refs, that's it. Referees. We saw some horrible referee. Even the weekend, I saw some ho- horrible refereeing. Cardiff should have had a penalty. Not given. Um, their goalkeeper should have been sent off. Um, the excuse used that the, the the defender was still behind the goalkeeper. Oh, it's no excuse for me. He, he came running out of his box and took him out. It's a sending off. Um, are we, you know, are we at the are we at the clutches of the referees? Um, these young lads and and you know, do you think Arteta will be saying, you know, especially to players like Granite Jacker and Cedric, and you know, don't give them any opportunity um, yeah. to get their cards out? Do you know what's really weird? I've just been looking on um, FB Ref on the number of fouls that we commit and the number of fouls that are drawn against us. And so the number of fouls that we commit, we are right down towards the second. So we've, we've commit 189 fouls. 177 is the lowest on Leicester. Watford commit the most, 282. So Watford basically have done over a hundred, just around about 100 fouls more than us since the start of the season. In terms of the fouls that we get drawn, we're actually towards the bottom. There are seven teams that um, get fouled more, like get fouled less than us. Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Chelsea are the top three teams that get fouled, and they get about eighty to seventy to eighty more fouls. So there's something that I mean, everyone's probably already knows about the whole yellow card stuff. Like we don't pick up that many yellow cards either. We seem to pick up a few red cards. Burn the uh, the biggest irony is that. The team that um, Burnley are right down there at the bottom when it comes to like, you know, good, dis- sorry, they're at the top when it comes to good discipline. So I think there is a narrative amongst referees that, oh, certain teams do certain football in a certain way and it's just accepted. And I think that is a problem. So I think we are a victim of our own narrative as a football team. You know, the old don't like it up them. And let's be honest. We have a collective of referees that have been refereeing the game for basically like 10, 11, 12 years. You know, the Mike Deans of this world have been around for ages. So if Mike Dean, who was in the game 10 years ago, refereeing Arsenal in 2012, when the don't like it up was at its zenith, and he's still around now, he's still carrying around that baggage. So I do think we are at the mercy of the historical legacy of referees. And I just hope that most of these guys can retire and we can get a new crop coming in soon. Mm. This one's for you, James. The question's coming there. I do like it. Um, If you could choose one of the players to stay fit and play at their highest level for the remainder of the season, who would it be? Saka, without a shadow of a doubt. When he's uh, on form, he, he can carry this team. He can make something happen out of absolutely nothing. Um, as good as Martinelli is, as good as Smith Rowe, Erdegaard, uh, everyone else is. He is the one that, I mean, the, those games against um, Leeds and Norwich really stood out to me. Martinelli also stood out to me in those games, but Saka in particular. He, he's just, even against City, he's just unbelievable. And if there was anyone that could stay fit, fingers crossed he will. Yeah, that's my guy. For me, it's Martinelli. Um, if we can keep Martinelli fit and have Martinelli playing at his highest, um, you know, his, his highest level for the rest of the season, I think top four is well on. Um, as long as Mikel Arteta, you know, uses him as he should, and I, I, I certainly think what Chris said earlier about keeping him out on the left um, and letting him cut in um, is where he's going to be most dangerous for sure, for sure, for sure. Dan, what about you, mate? 
No, one, was, no one said Ramsdale. No one said Ramsdale. Come on, Dan. Oh, tell me Ramsdale. You don't have to worry about it. Oh, Betty's come to say hello. She might show, oh, hello, you, Betty. A, she might show you a poop shoot if you're lucky. That's all right, no hello, problem. Betty. You're right, dear. Um, I think we're just spoiled, <laughs> aren't we? I mean, most teams have only got don't one. kick it, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> my days of kicking cats along. She'd have my head off if I did. Wouldn't you, dear? Um, most teams have got one star player. Crystal Palace have got Zaha. And then there's a few other teams that have got one player. Our entire forward line if you include Martinelli, of five players. Any one of those are a game winner on their day. So I, I'd probably go with um, with what James said and go with uh, with Saka. But Smith-Rowe has got eight goals this season and two assists. And Saka's got six in Premier League, six and four. And Erdegaard's got four and three. Um, it's just so much quality stuff. But I think the one that scares the opposition the most is Saka or Martinelli. Mm-hmm. So I'll be happy with either of those two. Chris? I'm going to go a bit left of field here. I'm not going to pick any of those front forwards. I'm, I'm torn between Tommy Asu or Thomas Partey. Thomas and let Partey. me show my workings here. The reason I'm talking about Tommy Asu is it, he's out this weekend. The options are Cedric. Or you play Ben White as a right back and you bring in Bob Holding, trying to bring the ball out from the defence or playing diagonal raking balls, which is a little bit depressing. Um, so Tommy Asu is in that's a position where if we lose him, the the golfing class is massive. And the same with Thomas Partey. Like Granite Xhaka getting injured and we're all saying, well, you know, maybe Sambi Lekonga can can fill in for a few weeks. If Thomas Partey gets injured, we're saying, well, it's Granite Xhaka and Sambi. I don't know. That doesn't really feel like it's as cohesive. Thomas Partey feels like more of the glue. So I'm torn between the two. If you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say Partey for the rest of the season for that reason. Good, lads. What a lovely chat um, it's been this evening. I want to finish. Um, obviously, we'll get a, we'll get a, um, a prediction for the Wolves game, but I want to finish in giving a massive, massive shout out to Boreham Wood Football Club. Very uh, connected to the Arsenal, uh, as we know. Uh, we all the, the girls play their the, the girls play their games there, and we um, they we use that ground a lot. The under is it the under twenty threes play there as well? Don't know. I think. Um, am I right in saying that it is Borenwood, isn't yeah. it? That they use, yeah. Um, so what what an achievement by Borenwood. Um, the lowest ranked FA Cup side left, I believe, and the first non league team ever to get to round five. Brilliant. If it's my incredible. uh, if my um, reading is any good, so well done, Borenwood. Um, I'm sure a lot of Arsenal, I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans on Twitter, um, of <laughs> uh, jump ship while they're still in the cup. Um, lots of people taking photos of, of tickets that they've got and stuff, but um, that's great. Dan, a, a score prediction, please, for the Wolves game. I didn't realise until I just went and had a look. I'll, we've only won one of our last six Premier League games against Wolves. Mm-hmm. We lost 2-1, lost 2-1, 1-2-0, 1-1, lost 3-1, 1-1. I think they've only got a couple of decent players. One of them has just gone to Barcelona. And their other one, also, they've, they've not scored many goals. Their top goal scorer's got four goals. Raul Jimenez. So, uh, is are we at home? No, no, we're away. We're away from oh, home. Oh, no. Um, that's a tough one because at home, I think we'd, we'd beat them. Um, so, I'm going to I'm gonna go for a 1-1. But I think there is a chance that we can win if everyone turns up and they're on the form. Chris? Yeah, this is going to be a low-scoring game because Wolves have scored eight goals all season, but they've only conceded, sorry, at home, and they've only conceded eight goals away. Um, they tend to be very good defensively, as as Cookie said. Um, 
they don't really take too many shots. I think this has got a one niller. Whether that goes Wolves' way or Arsenal's way, because we're not great away either. I'm going to say Arsenal because this is an Arsenal podcast and we all want to end on a bit of a positive note. But I've just got a feeling this is going to be low scoring, one goal in it, and it's going to be really gritty. And hopefully that falls on our side. James, give us your prediction, mate. I'd love to see us get an early goal. I don't think it will happen, but if we got a goal in the first 20 minutes, it would really open up the game and it would mean that they've got to play you know, the way we kind of want them to play, catch them on the break, and then we'll see the best of Martinelli, Smith, Rowe, Saka. Um, like I said, I don't think it'll go that way. I think they are too too resolute at home. We've just got to not lose, <laughs> Mr. Preston, as that sounds, because yeah. they are right on our tail. You know, it goes from, you know, although January was tough, we're still in a very good position. If we lose this game, then the feeling around the club will start to to be a little bit more depressive. Uh, so I think it, it, it's huge that we avoid defeat. But I also think it's huge that we get a win. A win would be absolutely massive because we we played them again um, and we've got them at home. So if we could get two wins against Wolves in the space of a couple of weeks, that'd be really good. And then we've got Brentford, which could potentially be another three points. But mm. I'm going to be optimistic. Uh, I'll say 2-0 Arsenal. I'm going to be optimistic as well. I'm going to say the Dubai, they're all going to come back looking like Tandadonises. Um, and we're going to go on and play like prime Real Madrid. And we're going to win three goals to one. That's Gosh. my prediction. Arsenal Dirty three, boy. Wolves one. Imagine Lads, it. It has been an absolute pleasure once again talking to you about Arsenal. Um, an honour to be in your company. Thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. Dan, where can people find this great podcast that you do? The first ever Arsenal podcast I ever listened to. Uh, you can find us. Uh, just go to the in. Don't use Google because they'll track everything you do. Just go to Ask Jeeves and put in uh, a Bergkamp one. I nearly forgot what it's called. Then that's helpful. A Bergkamp one, Dan. And don't follow me on Twitter because uh, when I put things about I hate cats, people believe me, and loads of people unfollowed me. <laughs> really? About four of them. Yeah, about twenty people unfollowing said they're vile creatures. But I did hint in it. I did say um cats they poo in it all my neighbours' gardens. Well, you know, if you've got cats, they don't poo in their own garden. Anyway, I'm 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 drifting off Craig Save Me. No, that's quite all right, mate. I, you know me. You, 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 you say you can pretty much say what you want here. It's your, it's your safe house, uh, Chris. Um, thank you very much for giving me your time again this evening, mate. Um, where can people find your fantastic blog uh, that I read every day? Ah, oh, thank you very much, mate. Well, the blog is at um, suburbangunas.com. Um, I can be found on Twitter at um, suburbanguna, and uh, my cat Iago can be found in my house, loved petted and uh, enjoying the life of Riley not being kicked. <laughs> James, um, not doing much in the way of Arsenal stuff anymore, are you, mate, if you don't mind me saying? You've um, kind of gone on to bigger and better things, mate, um, since we've last spoken. I do believe you've got your own um, video company now. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm... I'm... I, I don't know what it was. I think I just uh, was doing AFC game by game and it just kind of, I think it ran its course, to be totally honest with you. I think uh, the time was right to um, curtail that. I'll see a few people in the comments saying they recognise me from Arsenal Fan TV. And that was, wow. That was, that was 10 years ago, wasn't it? That was six years ago, yeah. So, yeah. Um, fair play. Fair play for sticking around. Appreciate it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm always spouting nonsense on Twitter so you can find me on there. Um, but now for the time being, fully dedicated to the same old Arsenal. 
Lovely, mate. It's a pleasure to have you. Where can they follow you, James? What's your app, mate? Uh, it's just at jcook96, but after tonight, probably going to change it back to cookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not like us calling you cookie, then? Is that, is no, that, no, 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 no. It's, it's just old school. I've not heard it for a while. I quite like it. Well, there you go, mate. You see, you're old school, because we're all old school, really, aren't we? I mean, we've been here, I suppose... Well, I've been here 10 years anyway doing stuff. I say it must be 10 years since I started the Guna Talk. Must be. Uh, wow. Bloody hell. My last thank you, of course, is to all, each and every one of you who has stayed with us this evening to listen to us talk about Arsenal. Um, thank you very much for your constant support. Thanks for the kind donation. Remember to like, uh, like the stream if you can before we go. That would be great. It helps us on our way. Amanda will be back with you on Thursday doing a post um, a post game show at 9.45, straight after the Wolves game. The Always Arsenal show on the whistle. Uh, her guest will be Albert um, from Albert JTV. I'm sure you all know who Albert is. Um, he's been on here before. So make sure um, to come and say hello to them straight after the game to get their reaction. And hopefully we're going to get a good reaction. Until we see you again... Again, my thanks to you for watching. My thanks to the chaps for joining me this evening. Until we see you all again, take care of yourselves and each other and up the Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.